Good morning, everybody. My name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the host of GST Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And today, we're going to have a guest host. My friend Jordan Wabe is going to be interviewing me today. He comes as a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, as a venture capitalist, an all-around great guy, Jordan from Jordan. With that, I'd like to bring Jordan on board. Hey, Jordan, how are you doing today? I am good. It's about time somebody asked you some questions, Gary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. These people drilling them, grilling them, making them feel like they are very important. Now it's our turn. <laughs> no, it's good to see you today. How's everything in the valley, by the way? The things in the valley are very good. Um, September came, it's gone. It came with a storm. Uh, the events have been, in my opinion, I've been several conferences and talked to all sorts of folks, investors, startups. Everything is booming and moving in the right direction. Um, it's not going to be like 21 and 2020 in terms of valuation, but it's uh, above and beyond 2019, especially in the early stages. Um, I think things are going to look better. And as yeah, so going what's going on with the post Series B now, or Series A plus and B? What's happening with those? A is going to probably start to see some traction in Q1. Uh, most of the prior A's and the C's have held steady on their stage. They don't want to dip into a lower valuation. So everybody's been doing extensions and additions, waiting for the valuations to bottom out. And I think they're getting close if they haven't already. Um, two, there's a lot of white powder out there that needs to be released. Uh, so both investors and uh, the startups, in my humble opinion, are starting to come closer to the center to each other, especially on the valuation component. Um, the drought also has weeded out quite a few, uh, you know, the bottom 30, 40% of the companies. That's a good thing. Uh, gives room for others to raise money and give room for others to, to uh, spread their wings, so to speak. It was crowded before COVID. It was very crowded before COVID. And it got even more crowded during COVID in certain sectors. Um, also, the international money is starting to come back with the with the, with the travel. People are traveling back to the U.S. I was at uh, TechCrunch last week or the week before. Yeah, how was that, Jordan? It was great. Um, the speakers were awesome. The uh, quality of companies were pretty good. The investors, the uh, number of investors, the quality of investors were very good, too. I, I enjoyed meeting quite a few of them. Um, did not like waiting in line for two hours to get in, but that's a different conversation. Wow, two hours? Was it uh, more crowded than it was last year when we went? Three times more crowded. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think uh, there was a, uh, a lot of people came in in the first day. Usually they kind of <coughs> stage themselves out. Everybody showed up at 8 o'clock. Wow, that's great. So what are they talking about? What are the big things now? I didn't spend time in all the sessions. I uh, I liked quant or quantum. I liked uh, defense, the DOD component. Uh, everybody was AI, big on AI. Uh, talked about AI impact on this and that. There's a few sessions on how to raise money in the current situation and the fundamentals, you know, how to talk to investors. And then I focus more on the next level of AI, which is um, you got the, the hype on AI today. But then the next level is what matters um, because the hype will be dissipated in six to eight months. The Department of Defense has very interesting things to say. 
Yeah, what, what was it? That's interesting. Well, you know, on the way up there, I was reading about the fifth fleet in Bahrain. Uh, the fifth fleet has deployed autonomous vehicles, drones, uh, with some with solar energy on them and with AI, uh, managed by AI and the like, which means they can be on uh, in the field for five, six, seven months at a time. Unmanned, low management. Its intent is to cover as much territory in the Persian Gulf as possible, given that they're not fully staffed there. So that gives them an extension, extended their reach, extended their coverage, extended their time coverage, the space coverage. They have aerial drones, they have service drones, they have submergible drones. What that means to people like me is this could be an indication of future application of the AI combined with autonomous, combined with solar, combined with the other technologies that have been cooking for the last six to seven years. Oh, that's so, Yeah, I mean, uh, so how about you guys on your side of, of uh, you have your digital worker? Yeah, the digital worker stuff is right. I mean, generative AI. People are concerned about they're not going to be in business if they don't put it in. So corporations are looking at I mean, think about it. It gives you superpowers. I mean, when you chat your B and you know how to use the prompts, you have superpowers to do almost anything from going down through your, your email to figure out what the sentiment is to writing a book. I was out in uh, Chicago and there's a woman alongside of me and she was upset. She said, you know, I need to write this brochure. And I haven't had a chance because I've had a lot of stuff going on in my life. And I said, well, what's the matter? She said, well, I'm supposed to do it now. It's going to take me another two months. So I was sitting, I was keynoting at a conference. I happened to sit outside and um, I looked around at the prompts. I found a prompt that sounded interesting. And I said, just a second. And we wrote her entire pamphlet. It was about 45 pages in less than 20 minutes. And she started crying. She said, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I said, well, you got to use this. You're in marketing, right? She said, yes. I said, you got to use the technology. And then um, she was a joke, said to me, um, you know, I'm going down through. I've got a bad relationship. I'm listening to separate. I said, well, go online. Try it. Maybe there's something there. And she pulled out a separation agreement. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I no, said, Gary, don't do that. I, and she said, hey, what, what do you think? I said, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea. But, you know, it sounds like it's at least a starting point. It's crazy, actually. And so what the, you can imagine across all vertical markets, the power that's going to give any individual, they have superpowers now. And so using those superpowers wisely to be able to accomplish incredible tasks, whether you're a farmer, which I had a meeting with in Laguna Beach recently, which does about a billion a year using generative AI and, and uh, you know, for from the farm to the field, or you're down through and using it for uh, marketing or sales or business development, or you're creating your own digital avatar of yourself um, and to be able to help, to be able to develop a different level of a customer engagement. So, you know, it's exciting times. It's really exciting. And, you know, sometimes people say that the market's down. It's only down if you're not focused on the right things. Focus exactly. You know, exactly. obesity and the data is the challenge. We need to make sense of it. So, Gary, I'm going with the logo, ask not what AI will do for me, ask what AI will do for the world around us. So if, if we look at the enterprise, the business, 
what's the value proposition for chat GBT or GPT-4 or AI in the next two years, five years, 10 years? Is it gonna be a new thing? Is it gonna become a fundamental uh, corner of the business? What do you see? I mean, think about it. You know, in your world, I told you, you know, we've talked about it before. There's 300,000 items in your personal cloud. The entire web in 1996 was 257,000 websites. Your information in personal cloud is following the same trajectory. By that, it means doubling every year. In five years with IoT, you're going to have 10 million items. How in the world can you make sense of it? So we need tools to help us understand the world and the data around us. Whether you're an enterprise with, you know, there's about 123 uh, zettabytes of data. People say to me, what is that? If you take DVDs or CDs, stack them one, on, one on top of another, go 94 times between Earth and the moon. So infobesity and the challenges, wherever you are, we've got a lot of challenges on this planet we have to take care of. We've got global warming. We've seen these extraordinary weather occurrences over the last year, everything from uh, flash floods in places like New York City to hurricanes. Last week, right? Yeah. Hurricane, I mean, people had like boats and, you know, uh, rowboats and stuff. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. so, but this is going to happen more and more. And, you know, the Atlantic current, they say, is going to stop as always 2025, which means if it stops, this is reported by a number of different uh, leading um, researchers, and even the Atlantic, of all places, had it in. But if it stops by 2025, which we've been talking about a long time, which means the average temperatures in the U.S. and Europe go down 15 degrees Fahrenheit, not up, down. Yeah. And so the last time it happened was 12,000 years ago during the Ice Age. And it'll happen very quickly. It happened over a 10-year period of time. So the good news is it's going to cool off a bit. The bad news is still going to be incredibly strange weather because you still have the oceans heating up. So what we have to do is we have to collect the data to figure out how to live better, how to make our, our uh, life around us better, how to work together to solve these problems. We've got to get rid of, um, oh, there's Leon. Hi, Leon. we got to get rid of these um, challenges that we have in front of us and work together as humanity to solve them. We just have a lot out there. Food supply doubled by 2050, all those things. And we can do it if we band together and we use these tools, kind of like your grandmother, right, that loves you and cares about you with uh, compassion and empathy to help us solve these problems. She didn't love me that much. She loved me, but no compassion. She no. always spanked me when I did something bad. So I'm, just you know. Know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, let's take it down a bit. I got that, and I'm improving the human condition. That's my logo. That's what I do all the time. Let's try to. Let's take it to the companies, mid-size, large-size, small-size. If you look at the venture capital startup class companies coming up with whatever they want to come up with, how do they make use of this new tech or this AI tech to penetrate more into the enterprise class to help them achieve some basic business fundamentals. Is it going to be like the CRM five, 10 years ago when you used to do everything with a spreadsheet and now CRM helped you out? Or is it going to be something more profound? Is it going to be a tool? Or is it going to be two, three levels above and beyond the CRM impact? So the answer to the question is think about how much data there is in the enterprise and how many opportunities there are to solve it. Now imagine we can take a document down through a document, understand the processes, and create a digital worker based on those processes. 
to be able to do some of the repetitive tasks. But it's going to quickly, very quickly go beyond that because as they get uh, these systems get more intuitive, they're right. going to us like uh, in a manufacturing process where these cobots start to talk to each other. And, you know, we should slow this down, speed it up. Hey, listen, we need to get uh, a replacement part over here. We need to fix this, you know, and fix it. And so you're going to see this kind of hybrid world. And it's going to be interesting to see how we, because we already started right here. We are, in, you know, on StreamYard or Zoom or all these technologies. Now we take it for granted. But 15 years ago, it didn't exist. In fact, I remember as one of the first Zoom users, right, and one of the early StreamYard users, and these technologies didn't exist, but now we take it for granted. And now this is how we communicate. So the question is, you know, for these technologies, using them inside the enterprise, think of all the repetitive tasks where it's software development, where we have repetitive software development, QA testing to uh, maybe it's with Python, maybe it's with uh, customer engagement with the CRN system where you actually have an avatar that looks human-like, that helps guide you through the process. And if it doesn't have the answer, it can go right to a human and actually bring the right human with the right skill sets at the right place at the right time to you. So these kind of blended models are already started. The companies that actually use these and develop things like super apps where you have LinkedIn and Facebook and Amazon combined, those companies are going to change things because it's going to, you know, if you fly into San Francisco and you're coming in from New York City, what happens? You land at the air, your first year, well, you look to book a flight. But now it's kind of flat because you book a flight on Delta. But imagine if you go in, for instance, if you go into the system in Expedia and it knows the kind of flights you want, it knows what seats you prefer, it gets it set up, it understands what hotel you're going to like, who should pick you up at the airport at what time, an Uber, right, or Lyft, mm -hmm. what kind of food you're going to have that evening. More importantly, who, what friends of yours are in town they can set up a meeting with their important and then brief you on the kind of things they want. You know, uh, maybe you want to take in a show that has the capability. It's going to just reduce the amount of time we have to go out and think about something because we waste so much time rather than thinking than doing. And now these tools are going to help us. And like I said, you know, this problem with infobesity, just an email is killing a lot of people. And we're to the point that, you know, another three or four years, People are going to look at their email for 15 minutes, and if they don't see it, they're going to have to forget about it because they won't have time to look back. It'll be gone. I don't it's know. It's already happening. Yeah. I it's already do that. Yeah. If, if I don't do something with it in two days, it's gone. Well, even two days. I mean, for me, it's an hour. I can't even check. I got so many emails now that I have coming in across multiple sources. You can't find things, and it's hard to look. So these new intuitive systems that understand, you know, I want a presentation from the guy from Boston and it remembers that you were in Boston and you had met uh, Robert in Boston and it sets up, it goes out, finds a presentation, brings mm -hmm. it over to you, sets it up, can make a call to have Robert present it to you, but it becomes like your, you know, digital system on steroids. Those kind of things are really important. And, you know, I'm really concerned this planet, you know, Jordan, we have so many wonderful things on this beautiful, beautiful planet. And yet we destroy a lot. And, we don't, we, you know, people talk about it, but they don't do any action. For instance, they buy carbon credits. I would say instead of buying it from a poor country just because you got the money, let's freaking go out and plant trees. Let's make a dent for real, Jen. Let's do something really cool to help each other. Don't Let's pay to pollute, right? Don't don't buy and give your license to pollute. Yeah. Uh, Gary, you, you spoke about 
this in the context of uh, quote a champagne problem travel blah blah and i'm with you same thing but if we look at the different elements of society whether it's in the us north america or the rest of the world th there's a theory that the the ai the ai is utility it's an empowering enabling uh type of force i call it a force i call it a natural it's a resource not a natural resource like oil like land like uh, like minerals do you see layers or levels of ai services so the average person can get level one or lowest level or the basic level and they do basic things and then the one who has a bit more money can get a higher level just like your doctor service you know you get premium insurance super premium do you see that becoming another component of the have and the have nots in the future? Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's the problem. You got to democratize it. It's not fair. I mean, think about it. We've got so many inequalities around the planet, things like healthcare. Right? If you're the middle class, you get squeezed in the US. But if you don't have money, you have a lot of money, it doesn't matter. So we got to figure out how to make things more equitable. And, you know, are we going to have these multi tier systems that have uh, different levels of service. Sure, we do it already everywhere, right? So you, you, you foresee me subscribing to a level of AI service at five ninety nine or sixty nine ninety nine, or already. I'm thinking at a higher level, not just the subscription for ChatGPT, but as I'm going home and I use. Let me mute her before she knows I'm talking about her. I come home and I talk to Alexa, and she does all sorts of things for me, not because it's cool, but because it's essential. Do you foresee the businesses being able to subscribe to a artificial intelligence platforms and services that can say, you're paying that much, that's the level of quality, you pay that much more, you're going to get better, faster. Yeah, the future to us. It could be. But it's going to get to a point where it won't be like that anymore. Because what will happen, Jordan, when we get to the right kind of intelligence level, maybe 15 years out, when it's close to the processing power of the human brain, it's going to be different. We're going to have to give these systems rights. It's not going to be in a slave-master relationship anymore. There's going to be rights. And we're going to have to learn, you know, you train the way you train a kid is how it acts throughout this life. And if you don't train it right, and, we're, and if you train it just to be pragmatic, nothing good's going to happen because humans are not, um, sometimes we don't treat each other, right? Sometimes, sometimes, all the time. Sometimes we don't do good things. And these systems that we're going to have are going to really help us to be able to make sense of our lives. And it's going to be on a more one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, I can see a day where, you know, the AI systems have rights, right? There's certain things that they can do and not do. They're going to want to, you know, they're going to, it's not going to be where they're beck and call of us. It's going to be, how can we work together to solve the problems? And, you know, so I wrote an article yesterday about when will AI have godlike uh, capabilities. Right? I, I, re I read that actually. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and the, the situation is going to happen because when you get to a point, you know, you, we're building super apps, right? Where you're talking about super apps on steroids. What we have to do is, you know, maybe the thing is we really need AI that's like that that can help us with our lives because, you know, I, don't, I we're just not doing a good job. We've, you know, we pollute. We're not. We're not. And we do can with these tools. We can do it if we allow the systems to be trained, you know, with compassion and empathy. If we don't, nothing good's going to happen. So part of it's coming upon us to help train it. We're such a low level now, it's not as big a deal, but it will be soon. 
Will it be our lifetime or I know you're like 85, 89 right now. Do you think it will be 92? <laughs> and so, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is absolutely in your lifetime, you're going to see these changes. You're already seeing them. You know, the changes are taking place in front of our eyes. Here we are on StreamYard. Three years ago, four years ago, people weren't using it. Look at it now. We take it for granted. So you're going to see these AI tools, but they're going to be intuitive, compassionate AI tools, you know, that are kind of like, you know, you talk about like Kit the Car that used to be in a show Night Rider many, many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Real kid. Well, see, I'm going to disagree with you here for a couple of reasons. Uh, TechCrunch, uh, the DOD, uh, forget his name, chief of uh, CEO of artificial intelligence, was asked if AI will be in charge of warfare. And he said there will always be a human involved. For but now, again, you say at some point. Now, because the thing is, I mean, you're developing super intelligent systems. That article I wrote about Godlight, you build these super intelligent systems, it's going to be different. You had quantum computer, which is 100 million times faster than the fastest supercomputer that can do what takes 10,000 years on a supercomputer in 67 seconds. Then you add unsupervised AI uh, and uh, machine learning, deep learning, generative AI. It's going to change things. I mean, you're going to be able to make decisions that humanity hasn't been able to you know, find out in 100,000 years in a seconds. And what happens then? It's going to be interesting. I'm not saying, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking about it when I wrote that article about, you know, is it going to be omnipotent, you know, kind of like in uh, old Star Trek where they had this, uh, you know, this creature that was there. The Q. Uh, yeah, the Q. Is it going to be down there and really help us guide our lives? I think it's going to be a little bit of that because we need to be, you know, held accountable and put on the rails. People need to be taught what they need to do. And I'm not saying it's bad. I think in terms of all the challenges we have in front of us, it's really good. So um, would it be godlike and create a flood like back in the days of Noah and get rid of some of those bad actors? Is that what you think will happen? Yeah. Um, well, it could happen. I mean, the thing is, you don't know. You know, the thing is, it, it depends on what's, you know, who's the, who's the bad actor. That's the problem. Yeah. So no, back, 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 back to Earth. You know, yeah, go ahead, please. Bad actor. Is it somebody that goes in and kills somebody? Well, if it's in a war, it's expected. And if you don't kill, then it's a bad thing. Okay. So so back to more uh, less godlike and more human-like. Um, the um, AI has such powers. Do you foresee global corporations weaponizing this against each other? Well, they will from country to country because that's how they get, they already do stuff. Like I'm talking about companies, large enterprises, global companies that control resources, agricultural, minerals. Do you think they could have access or develop their own, their own capabilities to improve and quash the, the, the competition? Well, that's what it's all about. It's like winning a race, right, for the Olympics. What do you do in the Olympics? You want to win the race. So if they have the capability to be more competitive using extremely sophisticated tools, sure, they're going to do it. I mean, it's just our nature. So that came up at TechCrunch where the question was um, during the in the Ukraine-Russian war, there was a, the, the uh, 
Elon Musk stopped certain signals, certain GPS communicated to the Ukrainians because of something. Does that give the private corporations more power than comfortable to average citizens like you and me? Well, I mean, the thing is, he admitted it, right? He didn't have to admit it. So I mean, is, is that a, an expected scenario where uh, corporations with large AI capacity and compute and data can have far more control and access than the average citizen? Well, I mean, the situation, as you look at it, it's basically, it's going down there and, and it's trying to uh, help. In the case of Crimea and Starlink, he just didn't want to create a wider conflict. Maybe it wasn't his position, or maybe he never even really said it. I'm thinking about him, maybe he did. But, you know, the deal is I can understand where he's coming from. I wouldn't want, you know, maybe there's other ramifications of, you know, throttle on the back. If you didn't, maybe he's going to get impacted in China, for instance. So, so, so I'm, I'm not focused on him per se. I'm using it as an example where it says uh, this this company had access to this system that had an impact on war. Does this AI give large corporations godlike powers? It could. It depends. Not right now. Not right today. But it could at some point in time. It okay. could. I mean, the thing is, it's already started. I mean, we're finding vaccines are being done literally overnight that would take you know 100 years to develop or develop them is that godlike to be able to save lives maybe you know but what happens when the vaccine they come out and it understands you know your entire uh physiology and what kind of medicine you should have today and starts administering it to help you live longer is i that think godlike? i saw an article from you about some kid that took years and years to solve and within two two minutes they they found a solution for him well, let's talk about the positive side of the, the AI piece, because I know that's very important to you. And in and, and GSD uh, Studio Ventures, Venture Studios, you guys focus on AI and on helping the enterprises get from A to B to C. What are some of the key elements a regular $600, $700 million enterprise need to do today so they're not left behind around the business? Yeah, be thinking about their... Uh customer support. They ought to be thinking about, you know, these uh, new digital workers for programming. They ought to think about what kind of processes they have in the companies that can be automated to streamline. I mean, right now we have a problem with uh, not enough people to work in companies. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody that could work in a company instead of cost you a hundred thousand a year, cost you 5,000 a year and works uh, three shifts, right? Just as hard or harder, but it goes down through, but we're at way smarter. So the deals, we're going to see that come through. Is it a good thing? You know, the thing is, it's got to happen involved in humanity. Was it a good thing? We went from the end of throw to where we are today. Some ways, yes. Some ways, no. Right? So, but it's going to happen. And what we got to do is figure out how to use this for the common good, in my opinion, the common good of humanity. Unfortunately, you can weaponize it and not good things that happens. You get swarms of drones coming in, you know, and the size of uh, uh, F-35s. And you got a swarm of 15 or 20 coming in that are coming at you and you can't even, there's no pilot, right? And they're flying, doing maneuvers your pilots could even dream of. There's no fear. There's no reluctance. There's no hesitation. Yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing. Just go out and get the job done and come back. Maybe that's better. But the problem is what we want to be careful is we have the game effect where these systems 
because they don't have compassion and emotion will do whatever you tell them and then nothing good happens right it's like what happens if, if somebody reprograms it or as a bug and it comes after you and either, you know those kind of things they're interesting phenomenal questions but these are the kind of things that humanity we're going to have to answer very quickly you 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 believe this is done at the individual level at the venture capital level at the government level at the corporate level how do you think this will manifest itself into something useful well i hope the the private sector goes out and starts adopting it and i hope the government supports it because we surely need it to be able to help us grow a silicon valley and so we've been in so many waves an e-commerce wave we've been in the big data wave We've been in all these incredible ways, many computers, et cetera. Now we're just in another way, but this one's bigger than any of the previous ones. It's bigger in the last 500 years of it because it's changing everything. Every vertical market is being impacted by uh, AI, by generative AI, everyone. And the ones that don't ought to be thinking about looking for a new job. Well, I think uh, in, in my humble opinion, and I'm not uh, as informed as you are, I think it's uh, going to be largest in the defense, ag tech, cyber, health, and fintech. What's left? What do you think, what do you think the best sectors for AI, the, the earliest adoption, the biggest impact will be? Well, I mean, it's that, right? So med tech, of course, you want to live longer. You know, industry 4.0, um, you know, I said farming 4.0 from the, the field to the table is important because we got to eat. You got yeah. about five days, we don't eat, not good things happen. So we got to figure out how to do that now. We got by 2050, we have to double the food supply. If I was out there, I'd be using artificial intelligence to make some very tasty, um, you know, protein-based meat, fibrous meat, and I would be doing it now before it's too late. The other thing is I'd be using AI to go out and start to figure out how to be able to uh, electrify the entire United States because it's going to happen soon, right? In California, it's what, 2025 and no more electric cars. So got it. Uh, if we look at uh, outside the basic sectors, if you are recommending to startups or early startups, which sectors to think about the most above and beyond what you mentioned, where would you go? The sectors that I would think about the most, I would look at health tech. I would look at uh, AI as a horizontal, not a vertical, because it can fly anywhere. So if you got a, a service, AI as a service, provide. Yeah, is that what I mean? I mean, you can use AI, it's horizontal, not a vertical. You can use that same AI. An optimization algorithm could be used to root planting, could be used in a hospital, you know, could be used in a on a farm, right? So you got to figure out where those models can be useful. <coughs> Instead of reinventing the wheel all the time, use what exists. Then we got to make sure everybody's getting paid for it. So you're saying uh, find some generic-like models and try to create use cases with some vertical integration and offer it like you do the cloud, like you would yeah, do with the data. That's, that's what's going to happen. Now, in, in your portfolio of companies in GSD uh, uh, Venture Studio, what are you saying? What kind of companies are you saying? Well, you know, it's interesting, Jordan. This time we have early stage companies with revenue of a zero, literally, all the way up to a company from Poland that's going to cross 50 million this year. Five so zero? Yeah, five zero. So, and they went, they did 39 last year. So these are a wide range of companies. The one thing they all have in common is they're no bullshit, let's get things done uh, entrepreneurs. They're moving forward quickly. They don't care what anybody says they're going to move. I what, like what, what, what verticals are you looking at today in your, in your present uh, engagement? 
I mean, there are all kinds of verticals, everything from med tech and um, med tech companies, uh, manufacturing, 4.0, um, education, because we're going to do hyper-personalized instruction, um, you know, sustainability, okay. uh, just across the board. It's like there's not one thing anymore. Normally before it would be a couple of different verticals. You say, oh, that's it. But it's not like that. It's so horizontal now. It's hard to say where it is, you know. So, um, you know, hyper-personalized medicine. You can go into your RNA if you got cancer and pull it out, right? You can clip it off and you don't have to worry about it. How important is that? Well, that's, you know, how much would people pay? A lot. Everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you've been doing AI for several years. This sounds like it's the year of, of AI and hopefully it would be a, a combination of what you've been working on for your GSD Venture Studio. And I know I'm giving you a plug in here. What's what's the right model for companies to engage with you? What, what kind of companies should be coming to you? Says, hey, I hear you doing this. How can you help me? What does that look like? Who would be a good candidate to be part of this uh, this uh, get shit done venture studio? I mean, generally, companies that come to us are technologists. There's about 70, 75 percent are tech. They're really smart. They're from 57 countries all over the world. Very few from the U.S. All over the world. They all have a dream. They have like, a, you know, they believe they believe in Steve Jobs and they've heard the stories about Apple and Google and Facebook and they want to partake in it. And so the companies would look like that. They generally have some revenue from half a million up to three, three and a half million in general, sometimes. Yeah. Like, and I have a company in there like that now. They all have a dream. They want to uh, change the lives of other people and they want to change their own lives. They're generally, as I said, immigrants. They are into artificial intelligence, quantum computing. They're in these hot areas. Now they're just trying to think about how their genius can turn it into a product. That's where we come in. So we're coming in. We're helping them scale. We're doing introductions all over the world. We're helping them to make sure that their product looks like what they say it is and feels like it. So when I mean feel like it, so painting pictures with words, you can think about it on the wall and you can actually see it. It's like you know the ultimate in visualization. But those companies exist. And they're inside of GSD. We pick up the seven companies, each one of the cohort. Last time we had six, but they're literally some of the best companies in the world. And it's very interesting to talk to somebody from Poland or from Thailand or from Tokyo about life and the startup ecosystem. It's just there's another kind of learning going on. So uh, since we're talking international, um, I'm working with some uh, offshore companies. And what pains me the most is they're still doing the basic startup, e-commerce, transportation, education. It's probably driven by the market they're in. But if they're listening, what would Gary say to them about, is it too early to get into the AI business or should they leapfrog into it and make it a fundamental piece of their startup and build the services around it? Is it too early for an companies in Africa, the Middle East, the Far East to get involved in this, you know, developing countries here, not. Yeah, I mean, we have companies today from Africa, from uh, Nigeria, Ghana, Zambia, South Africa, North Africa, Egypt, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, you know, Pakistan, I mean, all over. The one thing they have in common is the best of the best. Silicon Valley, we've got four companies right now. So they're best of the best, and they have a chance. They just need some tweaking, right? 
they need to dress a little differently. They need to speak a little differently. They need to get introduced into the ecosystem. And if all those pieces lie up, it's like having a pot to make soup. All of a sudden you can stir it and it starts uh, turning into soup. And that's what we need to do. It's so important to use these technologies to help make our lives better. So I think every vertical market is going to be a target. I think things like recruiting is going to just streamline it. So now the recruiter from the company won't even have to call in. The person just puts their AI on everything, everything's scheduled, and they're you know going through the process. I, I, I'm experiencing that already firsthand. Uh, are you using any AI in your operations? Yeah, I mean, we use it all the time. We use ChatGPT. You know, if I have a question about a note that's being sent to me, or I want to go down through a letter, if I write a letter and I need it checked over, I put it inside. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the grammar is not right. You know, just I use it wherever it's helpful. I'm not going to waste my time on it, but whatever it's helpful, I use it. Sure. Should Jane be worried? Jane's an avatar. <laughs> She's not real. I never met the lady. <laughs> Jane, if you're listening, we're coming after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane's. No, the thing is, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people like Jane, but then they'll start moving up the food chain. Then they'll so start I mean, replacing people, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll replace people. Many people will lose their jobs, but they'll be creating additional three, four times more jobs. In my opinion, um, it's going to allow you to do more with the same resources. Yeah. Just, Jane is not an avatar. Laughing out loud. Regards, Nuka. I know she's not an avatar, but she's really good, Nuka. She's as good as an AI plus plus. Yeah. Uh, we have a few minutes left, so I'm going to focus on a couple of things. Um, is the business, the technology, the implementation of AI a high-end science, or can an average individual learn it and jump on the bandwagon and be good with it? Do you need to be a super-duper coder, or is it fundamentals? If you learn them, you can overcome them. I mean, people are using prompts on ChatGPT, and they're pretty easy to use, and they're great interface, and they're you know they're doing all kinds of things. They're using them for blogs, they're using them for marketing, they're using them to review legal contracts, a lot of things. So it's already at your fingertips. It's, you don't have to be really trained, other than you know you need to know what you're going to say in a prompt. But if you're a startup founder, if you're trying to get a business going, do you need a higher end coder to do this, or do you think the science is basic and you can learn it i mean the thing is it depends on how smart you are i mean a lot of people do right i just you know so it, uh, if i was them i would go down through and go down through and you know try it if you're in the same uh you have the same educational um background i would try it and if not get caught up there's groups out there like a uh, guy max gumanowski who works in um who i met overseas and actually lives here. But what he does is he actually trains people to do, uh, you know, QA testing and things. And actually, there's a big line of people who want to be trained and a big line of customers that want to get in. It's really interesting. And so, you know, find out where your skill is. Use AI to be able to help make your job much better. Make it extraordinary. Got it. I was on a panel two or three weeks ago, and I was picking on a guy, he was picking right back at me. And he was saying we need tons and tons of millions and millions and millions of data pieces to make AI work. And my counter was only if you wanted to be top level, highest end AI, you could get away with 
basic AI to do basic work for you without an incredible amount of data. Where do you land on that spectrum, Gary? Between I mean, the, is, the more data, the better, right? Because it, it, you're hoping to Yeah, I mean, the thing, it's expensive, but you know, you're going to have these systems that go out to the web and start to uh, suck up information quickly, right? And they're going to start changing things because they're going to understand, you know, if you, hey, I need to fix my car. Just a second. Let me help you. You know, I'm Bobby the robot. Let me go on the other side and let me walk you through it. Okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. That's today, right? But then in another 15, 20 years, those systems are going to be going down through and have a more didactic one-on-one relationship with it. You know, I see it. We're going to have, you know, virtual girlfriends. Somebody says it's not going to happen. It is because you're going to have there. Don't go there, man. Half the world population will come after you. Don't even go there. That one you cannot do away with. Maybe they would like it. <laughs> I don't know. We wouldn't have to be harassed, you know. But you know, I remember watching the Jetsons many years ago, and they had uh, the uh, robot that they had in there, and I thought this is amazing. But it's we're not that far off now. No, we're not. Not at all. I remember watching Star Trek when the stupid doors would open by themselves, and look what we have. Now we got the little phone, which is. But back to so level of service uh, is is going to dictate how much data you want. If you want to fix your car, you don't need a hundred billion gigabits of data. But if you want to do brain surgery or you want to do some diagnostics or something, then that's a higher level of data, right? Yeah. Uh, so for, for startups who are listening, um, is, is the appetite to invest in startup driven by the IP and the AI? Or I'm asking you, the IP and the AI or the level of data that the, the, the startup can bring about or the use case they are solving? If you were to prioritize that, where would you go? I would say that you know, the use case that they're solving, I would say the amount of data. So the data and use case are about uh, the same. But if you don't have data, you don't have anything, right? So it doesn't matter. If you don't have the right amount of data, you can't make any you know, interesting decisions. So my thing is uh, that situation. And what we got to do is go down through and look at, you know, and use cases, of course, are going to be important to us because we got to understand what to do with it. You know, it's great to have AI. And you know what? If you don't know what a prompt is, learn about a prompt. If you don't know how to use it for things like sentiment analysis on a letter and it's important to you, get it to do it. Practice it. It didn't take long, a couple minutes. So investor to investor, PitchBook has the capacity to predict IPOs and valuations based on all the data they've collected. Sure. Does that make our jobs obsolete? No, but it just helps because you can do it a lot broader than you did before. And you don't have to worry about having a bad day when you're trying to make a decision with a startup, right? There's a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs. And sometimes it's not based on facts. Yeah, uh, but yet, I'll go back to the same question. Uh, PitchBook had incredible amount of data. Very few people have it. Does that give them an unfair advantage? No, it just means you're really smart. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not going to answer because you're being recorded. No, I mean, the thing is, it's true. You go down through and, you know, they're just doing the right stuff. If you got a lot of, it's about the data. So the more data you have, the better you're able to interact with that individual. Right. So it's not a bad thing to have a lot of data. If that's what's required to make a more realistic model. So if you're a startup and you're listening, the VCs are not going away anytime soon. So just bear with us a couple more years. Gary, thank you for having me. I know we're short on time. So I'm going to just close with thanking you for the friendship, for the love, for 
for all the things you do for us here in Silicon Valley and the things you do for the rest of the world. I know you travel and you speak and you lecture and you write books and you have articles. Your contributions in the space of AI is uh, are, are substantial. So thanks. Thanks for doing this. It means yeah, a lot to us. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate you coming on. And thanks to all my audience for joining one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. We'll be back at you again. See you, everybody. See you, Leon. See you, Nuka. We have our, some friends and admirers out there. Thank you both. Absolutely. Take care of yourselves.